0: Bibles tonight, Romans chapter 12, we'll begin reading in verse number 1, but our message tonight is from verses 3 through 8, Romans 12, verses 3 through 8, I'm so excited for the privilege God's given me to preach through the book of Romans, it's something I've wanted to do for a long, long time, and finally I've had the opportunity to do it over the course of a long time, a long, uh, many months now, working our way through the book of Romans. Romans chapter 12, you'll begin to follow along with me in verse number 1. We're dealing with the will of God and doing and knowing the will of God. And the Bible says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And we come to this passage of Scripture, and we're dealing with something very important. We're dealing with the fact that we are, the church, one body. But as one body, we have many members. And the one body with many members works together to do God's perfect will. And this is a illustration that the Apostle Paul uses in other places in the Scripture. The book of 1 Corinthians is one of those examples. I believe there's a passage in the book of Ephesians that deals with the body of Christ and I love this illustration because it perfectly puts into perspective how we are. We work together each member doing and using the graces that God has bestowed on us individually to work together To carry out the work that only a body could do. And we come to this passage of scripture and I want to preach this message. Here's the title. Use your brain. We are one body. Use your brain. We are one body. And I'll just tell you something. I know for a fact that the devil loves to stir contention among the church. And among the body of Christ. And in between members of this body. It's just how it works. And our church is not exempt from that. No church is exempt from it. And we need to be reminded that we are one body doing one work. And we all have play a vital, important role. Use your brain. We're one body. Use your brain. We're one body. And the Lord wants to teach us a few things. There's four points to this message. The first point is this. Number one, think. That's where I got the idea of use your brain. Think. Let me show you what the Bible says here in verse number 3. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Uh, A couple times in this verse of Scripture we're encouraged to think. And the context is the context. That we have God's will in verses 1 and 2. we We're be seeking to know and do God's will. And when we know and do God's will, we understand that we are one part of the body. And as the body works together in sequence, then we're able to accomplish what God has given the church to do. And so the thing that the Apostle Paul wants us first to do is think. For I say through the grace given unto me, To every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. You know what you're tempted to do? You're tempted to think that your position or your place in the body is more important than other places. It's a natural thing. It's a prideful thing and a sinful thing but it is a natural thing to think that what you do is most important. I want you to understand something. There's an element of this that is okay. You see, what part that God has given you to do in the work of Christ in the body of Christ, it should be the most important thing to you. And you should be determined to do it well. But you ought not to get so laser focused on your part of the body That you fail to acknowledge the fact that you cannot effectively do what you've been given to do if it's not for the rest of the body. Does that make sense? The Bible says that we should not think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. It just gives us the opportunity to think. We should think. We should think, what is it that God has especially gifted me in what area has God especially gifted me? And I want you to know something. God has given us all certain graces and certain things and certain abilities and certain attributes that cause us and we should be using to function as the body of Christ. There's no useless parts. God has a purpose for every part of this body. And the Bible says when you're considering What you do, don't think too highly of yourself. Not only should we not think too highly of ourselves, I love the way this says it. God's word is perfect. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Now let me tell you something. Does this say don't think highly of yourself at all? Does this, say, does this mean don't regard the gift that God's given you? Don't be some beat down, somebody that doesn't, isn't willing to do anything? No. The Bible doesn't say don't think highly of yourself. The Bible says don't think high, too highly of yourself. Don't think higher of yourself than you ought to. I want you to understand something. There are some folks who are so proud that they exalt their gifts to a place of great esteem. And they think they're the God's gift to the universe. And that's pride. And that's pride. And it's wrong. The Bible would say that they think more highly of themselves than they ought to. But there's also a person and a character and a Christian, a member of the body of Christ, that God has gifted to do something. A usefulness. That is there, but because of their pride, they're unwilling to do what it is God's graced them to be able to do. Because they have this idea, I'm not good enough. I'm just not as good as they are. I'm just not as well spoken as they are. I can't do that as well as somebody else can. I'm just not quite good enough to do that. So they sit back and they don't. Do it. The Bible doesn't say don't think that you can do what God's graced you to do. The Bible says just don't think too highly of yourselves. Do what God's given you to do by all means because God gave it to you to do. And do it with boldness. The Bible just says, think. Think. Step back and see the whole picture. One of the most awful statements I've ever heard in my whole life. You ready for it? It is so prejudiced when it comes to the body. Someone said it this week. One of my children, I am so offended. They looked at Hudson and said, you have good hand-eye coordination. What's to be offended? I really wasn't offended, but I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this. When someone says hand-eye coordination, you understand, right, what we're talking about. It's a, it's a common statement hand-eye coordination, and it gives great praise to the eye. And it gives great praise to the hand. But if this were a church illustration, someone says, wow, y'all got great eyes and great hands around here, and I'll just tell you something, the elbows would be like, what are we, sharp liver? And the wrist would be like, huh, you try to see him throw and catch that ball without my help. And the shoulder says, yeah, right, I'm the anchor for it all. And the brain says, you guys don't have a lick of sense. We've got to be careful. I'm not saying you shouldn't use that statement. Use it all you want. You get the point, don't you? Because it's easy to get to the place where you're like, the preacher thinks, man, I am killing it. This is awesome. You guys could not make it without me. (laughs) But that's not true. That's not true. I'll tell you. I know for a fact that I couldn't have the privilege to stand in this pulpit and preach God's word. I couldn't have the privilege to send the gospel out over the radio in other countries. I couldn't have the opportunity to have a television program tonight and preach the word. If it weren't for the body of Christ. I know that a lot of the times the hand gets the credit or the eye gets the credit. But I know and I know very plainly and very clearly that there are elbows and wrists and brains and pockets and knees and feet that are all putting it all together so that we can do what God's given us to do. And I shouldn't think too highly of myself and you shouldn't think too highly of yourself. And we should get to the place where we have this idea where we think. We think, hallelujah, I get to be a part of what God's doing. And whatever part it is, we need to be thinking. We need to be thinking. The Bible says, don't think too highly of yourself. Don't think too highly. Don't think too poorly. The Bible gives a very, some, some clarity in verse number 3. But to think soberly. I love that word. Think soberly. What's that mean? That means you're not drunk with pride. But you're thinking things through. It just makes sense. Look, I'll just tell you. It's hard to preach when the nursery workers don't show up. And it's hard to preach when the electric bill doesn't get paid. And it's hard to preach... If nobody comes to listen. And that's one example that can be multiplied a million times because there are so many parts of this body. And I praise God for it. And I sit back and I think soberly. I think, thank you God that I get to play a spot and a small part in this body. Lord, use us for your will. Use us for your glory. Lord, help us. To identify what you've called us to do and to do it with the right spirit and to function with unction as the body of Christ. We're to think. We're not to think too highly. We're not to think too poorly. We're to think soberly. It continues to say in verse number 3, think think soberly. Think soberly. And then it says this, According as God hath dealt to every man the measure of of faith according as god hath dealt to every man the measure of faith what does that mean we're to think soberly and we're to think according as god hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. what's it say god has dealt i've underlined those three words god has dealt what did god do god dealt to you your graces God dealt to you your gifts. God made you the way that he made you. Think about it for a minute. I love this thought. God hath dealt. What did he do? He gave you certain strengths and certain weaknesses for a certain purpose so that you can fulfill a certain role in the body of Christ. Use your brain. We're one body. And so if you start getting upset because the hands aren't doing what the hands ought to do or you're getting upset because the elbows aren't doing what the elbows ought to do or you're getting upset about any other part of the body and you're not faithfully doing your part, then you're out of line. Think soberly. Think the way God thinks in consideration of the perfect place that he's given for you to serve. Think according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. The measure of faith. God's given you a certain measure. He's given you a certain amount of opportunity, ability, trust, faith. He's given to you a certain amount. Think. What do we do? In regards to the body of Christ, we're to think. Think about it. You know, we're to identify some of our strengths. good. How many of you know? That you cannot sing. If that's you, would you raise your hand? We praise the Lord that God showed you that. <laughs> Some of you may be able to sing you raise your hand anyway. Shame on you. But if you know that you can, you should. If you know that you can't, you shouldn't. Praise the Lord. And you know what? Don't be mad at God because he didn't give you the opportunity to sing. You know something I cannot do? I mean, it is a virtual impossibility. Play the piano. My mom made me take piano lessons. And I begged her to let me quit. She's been wrong twice that I remember. (laughs) And I'm so thankful for these two times. She's near perfect, but there's twice. She told me one time, I want to quit taking the piano lessons. And she said, now listen. She was aggravated when I quit piano. I wanted to so bad. I couldn't do it. I just didn't have, the, I didn't have that. She said, when you grow up, you're going to regret not knowing how to play the piano. And I want to tell you something. Every Sunday when I come in here and I've got so many things to do, I praise God that I can't play the piano. <laughs> Hallelujah. The second thing she told me that she was wrong about, she said, if you eat that, you'll ruin your supper. I proved her wrong. (laughs) Uh, Oh, you know something. Ruth plays the piano beautifully. Megan plays the piano beautifully. There's other folks that play the piano beautifully in this room. It's wonderful. Melissa plays the piano beautifully. Others do. And you know what? I don't spend my days mad because they can I can't. I don't. I'm not going to be jealous of their gift. That's what God gave them. And I'm just going to praise the Lord that God gave them the ability to do that. I'll just tell you something. I am the worst organizer on the planet. You look at my truck and it'll prove it. I'm terrible. And I want to be organized, and I want to be very neat, and I want things just right. I gave up. I quit. Somebody else is going to, have to do that for me. I just can't do it. That's why God gave me my wife. One of the many reasons. But I'm not going to be jealous or upset if. And I'll tell you, I'm thankful. Ruth comes in. She straightens my office. Dana comes in, she straightens my office. When Hodges was here, it drove him crazy because I work in piles. That's just how I work. I'm most efficient that way. And it drove Hodges crazy. You know how neat he was. It drove him nuts. And Hodges would come in, straighten my desk up. And you know what? I don't walk in there and say, I'm like, praise the Lord. There's some people that have that gift, and they're helping me out. That's good. I don't get offended and think to myself, they think I'm a pig. I don't care if they think I'm a pig. God gave them that ability, and I'm thankful for it. And so I just sit back and I think soberly about it. I'm like, praise the Lord. If they think lower of me because of that, that's their fault. I'm thanking God that they got that gift, and they can help me out. You understand? But what's the devil want us to do? The devil wants us to be mad because there are certain people that get more attention than us. The devil wants us to be upset because there are certain people who seem to have more prestigious offices. <sniffs> it's terrible. I remember my first office. when The first day that I got my first office in the ministry was at Temple Baptist Church. And I thought, man, that's pretty cool to have an office. I'd been working outside. I'd, I'd run equipment and build stuff and fix stuff and uh, mow grass and weed eat. I have a PhD in weed eater and toilet, both and I remember, man, it would be cool to have an office I remember thinking when I was in college saying, man, it would be cool to have an office wouldn't it be awesome something else I really wanted like, man, it would be great to have a set of keys to this place and I found out soon if you got a set of keys, man, you get abused <laughs> and I remember I went and sat down in my office I was like, man, this is great I'm in my office, very first office ever. You know what I did? I sat down and I found out something about me. If I sit down very long, my eyes start doing this. <laughs> I had to get up and go outside. And I'm thankful for an office because it's important. It's something you got to have. But I don't think that an office is something that gives you prestige or gives you authority over somebody else. I have to have an office. That's just how it works. And the church has to have a pastor because anything without leadership is going to fall and fail. But I'm not proud that I'm the pastor. I'm just thankful that God has given me the opportunity to be the pastor and I'm thankful that I can be part of the body. And I'm praying that God will give other people the understanding and cause them to sit back and think soberly. Hallelujah, I get to be part of this body. I'm just excited I get to be part of this body. And I know I can't do it on my own. I don't want to do it on my own. I can't accomplish anything on my own. We function together. What happens when the hand becomes exclusive? Axe, hand, body. The hand's dead. It's useless. And I'll just tell you something. If you get on your high horse thinking, boy, I'm a big hand around this church. And you separate yourself from the body. You know what you've done? You've rendered yourself ineffectively. And all God wants us to do is use your brain. We're one body. Think. Think soberly. Think in consideration of how God has blessed you. Think. Number two. We are one body with many members. This is going to seem a little repetitive, but I want you to see what the Bible says. It's very plain. Verse 4, the Bible says, For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. What does it say? We have many members in one body. I like that, how many becomes one. Many becomes one. It's sweet. Many becomes one. Many members. Look, you can't be hung up because you're just one of many. That's pride. You need to rejoice that you're one of many. Praise God that you're one of many. Because many members produce one body. And all the members have not the same office. They're not the same. They're different. I like what the Bible says in verse 6. Having then gifts... Differing. You see that word, differing? Different. Not the same. Different. Not the same. Different. You know what we like? We like things that are the same as us, don't we? We like the same. And so what we're tempted to do, if something's different than us, we're tempted to look down our self-righteous noses and cast judgment on the difference. The Bible reminds us that each part of the body is different. We're not the same. We're not the same office. We're differing. So is good. So if you're tempted to be because you're different, to have the wrong attitude about somebody that's different than you, stop that. It's natural. If you think, oh, I'd like to be more like them, don't do that. It's natural. We are One body with many members. That's how God made us. One body, many members. It takes the whole body to do the work. The members make up the body. Number one, think. Number two, one body, many members. Number three, different gifts equal different graces. I know this sounds a little bit odd, but I want you to think about it with me. Different gifts equal. Equal different graces. Look at what the Bible says in verse 6. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Now, this gift tells something very special about who you are. The Bible says that we have gifts that are differing. And our different gifts, our unique personalities, our differing gifts. Have been given to us. You see that? They're given to us. And they're given to us according to grace. God graces us with differing gifts. Do you see that? Your special uniqueness. Is God's gift of grace. When used well. Now this is a very pointed answer. To a very serious problem in society. Do you know what our society teaches people? Our society teaches people to be upset, angry, bitter, and unsatisfied with how God made them. Gender is one of those big deals. But not just gender, but body types. Now, I'm not telling you to be a lazy slob and not take care of your temple. Body types, personal attributes. There's a lot of vanity going on, is there not? I don't have much hair. The longer I serve him, the thinner it grows. And, you know that's fine. That's okay. Somebody told me, they said... God only made a few perfect heads and the rest of them he left hair on. (laughs) But we laugh and it's funny. It is funny to me. It don't bother me at all. I couldn't care less. But we laugh and it's funny, but the truth is there are people who get really upset over physical traits and physical characteristics. But you know what we need to learn? We need to learn... God made us the way we are, uniquely, specially, for a specific purpose. And we need to be not angry because we're short and fat. We need to be satisfied because we know that we are God's special person. God's ornament of grace. The way God gifted me. Was his grace to me to do what he saved me to do. And the way God made you was God's grace to you to save you. To do what he saved you to do with you, what he saved you to do. Grace. It's, it's through this whole text. And I remember when I first started studying verse three, I thought, what in the world? Why did Paul say it like this? Look what it says in verse number three. For I say, comma. Through the grace given unto me, comma, to every man. When you have a phrase in a sentence like that, you can literally read it for understanding and say it like this For I say to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. And that makes perfect sense. But the Apostle Paul is wanting to highlight a truth that he's going to deal with throughout these next few verses. He says, For I say, through the grace given unto me. What's he saying? He says, I say that he says, what I'm writing and what I'm telling you is the way God made me. It's the grace that God gave me. It's what God gave me to do. God gave me this responsibility to be an apostle, to be a preacher, to be a teacher, to be a writer. He says, I'm just doing what God graced me to do. He says, I'm writing this because that's what God gave me to do. That's God's grace for me. Verse number 6, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Let me tell you something. God made you the way he made you for a specific purpose. Thank him for his grace and find out why you are exactly the way you are. Oh, I'm thankful. Through all these years of preaching and ministry for folks with differing gifts. I've been thinking about today. There's so much action around this church in the course of a week. And I'll just tell you, there's a lot of people who are doing things and loving to do things around here that I don't like to do. There's nothing here I won't do. Clean toilets, I don't mind. Vacuum floors, I don't mind. I'd rather not do that all week long, but if that's what needs to be done, there's nothing I'm too good to do. I like to roll up my sleeves and do things. But you know, there are people around here, lots of people around here that are doing things and enjoying doing things all the time. And I'm thankful for that because God made them that way. It's great. I had a man and his wife at Bowling Springs Baptist Church. Before I got there, they were faithfully cleaning the church. That's what they did on their Saturdays. And they loved it. And they did it well. They worked hard at it. And I've been gone for almost four years. I was down there just a few weeks ago on a Saturday. Guess what? There they were. Going at it. Taking care of business. Praise the Lord. That's what God gave them to do. People greeting at doors. People locking doors, unlocking doors, turning on lights, turning off lights, teaching Sunday school classes, singing in the choir. Hallelujah. It's great. People making phone calls and sending cards that nobody on the planet ever even knows about. But doing what God has given them to do. I want you to know something. That is God's grace. It is your privilege that God has blessed you and given you an interest in doing something to serve him. You see, we have different gifts which equal different graces. The Bible says in verse 6, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy. Now, this is not a passage on specific gifts. Now, the gift of prophecy was speaking forth anything that God had spoken. But this is not a message on the specific gifts. Whether prophecy, let us prophesy. If, if your gift is prophecy, prophesy. According to the portion of faith. Prophesy according to how God's blessed you. How God's graced you. Whatever you do, whatever God's given you to do, do it. If it's prophesying, prophesy. If it's ministering, verse 7, or ministry. I want you to see this phrase. This is perfect. Of course it is, it's the word of God. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministering. Now, I think this is so awesome. The ministry of ministry, you know what that is? That's the people who like to keep things clean. That's the people who are serving. Those are the people, the ministers, the ministers, the folks who are are keeping things in order, keeping things tidy, making sure things are right, making sure things are taken care of. I love ministers, it's great and I'll tell you something you know what ministers have a tendency to do I'm not talking about preacher ministers the actual minister that does the they they they're ministering they're working they're getting things done you know what the minister has a ten, tendency to do ministers by their nature are impatient if things get a little out of whack things get a little out of line things aren't going the way they want them to go things uh people aren't doing what they think they ought to do when they ought to do them how, how many of you know any ministers <laughs> you know what the minister tends to do? The minister tends to get impatient. And if you're not careful, the minister in its in his or her impatience will move from ministering to doing something that they shouldn't be doing. Through the years, I've had to tell a few people, now look, if you're going to do my job, there's no sense in me doing it. We both don't need to do it. But I probably ought to do the job God's given me to do, and you probably ought to do the job you ought to do. God's given you to do. But you know what the ministers tend to do? The ministers tend to get impatient. So you know what God says? (coughs) Ministers! If God's given you the gift of ministry, praise His name. That is His grace. But He says if God's called you to minister, look what it says. The verse number, there it is, number, what number? Seven. Or ministry, let us wait... On our ministry. You see that? Wait on your ministry. Stay in your lane. It's okay. Stay in your lane. It's okay. Take a deep breath. If God's giving you the grace to minister, minister, but wait on your opportunity to minister and stay in your lane. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministry. Or he that teacheth on teaching. Sometimes the teachers want to get impatient. And he says, Are You teachers, teach. It's good. Now, this doesn't mean that you have one gift exclusively. Don't think that. But the bottom line is, we have different gifts and different graces. And we're to wait, and we're to do, and we're to appreciate the graces that God gave us and the graces that God gave everybody else. Is that understood? Finally, number four. Use your brain. We're one body. Number four, here's what God wants us to know. Whatever you do, wherever you serve, serve well. Look how this comes to a conclusion. This section comes to a conclusion. The Bible says in verse number eight, it continues with this line of reasoning for verse number seven. Verse number seven goes, Or ministry, let us wait on our ministering. Or he that teacheth on teaching. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth. Here's the next, Here's the change. He that giveth. Let him do it with simplicity. A lot of people, I've studied that word, that phrase simplicity, with simplicity. A lot of people say it's generous. Uh, I think it probably, simplicity, giving with simplicity is just doing it correctly. Have you ever seen somebody give something correctly? You probably didn't see it. Have you ever seen somebody give something incorrectly? (laughs) You probably saw that one. So the Bible says, if you're a giver, if God's blessed you to be a giver, and God does that with people, if God's blessed you to be a giver, give well, give correctly, do it right. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth, if you're a leader, you're a natural leader, lead rule with diligence. If you're a leader, do it well. He that showeth mercy. If that's how God's graced you, it with cheerfulness, what does he want? What's he wants to know? Is the emphasis on the giving, the ruling, the mercy? Not necessarily. The emphasis is on doing what God's given you to do, and doing it well. Let me tell you something. You know what makes an awesome church? What makes an awesome church is when the body. Is functioning well. How does the body function well? I'll tell you. The body functions well when with the right spirit, the hand is giving it all it's got. The body's functioning well when the elbow is giving it all it's got. The body's functioning well when the shoulder is giving it all it's got. The body's functioning well when the eyes are staying in focus and doing it well. The body is doing its its best when the mind, the brain, is giving it all it's got. And if somebody says, wow, y'all really have some great hand-eye coordination, you know what the body says? The body says, we're getting her done, boys. It's good. The elbow don't care. The wrist doesn't care. The shoulder doesn't care. The mind doesn't care. They say, hey, look. If the hand gets the credit and the eyes get the credit, that's good with us. Because, hey, listen. <laughs> listen. We're the body. And we've got a work to do. And we're going to do it heartily to the Lord. We're going to get caught up in this pride and arrogance and sinfulness. We're just going to let God use this body. So tonight's message is just that simple. Use your brain. We're one body, and I'm glad, aren't you? Hey, find your spot and do it well. It'll please the Lord, there's no doubt about it.